I just don't know what to do. What do you mean? Like, what do we say? I don't know. Introduce yourself. You introduce yourself. Okay. Okay. <laughs> to our podcast true crimes and story times i'm kirsten i'm michelle and usually today i'd be telling a story that i find on reddit or whatever today's a little different so i'm going to be starting a little bit of a series i guess um i'm going to do the most popular most well-known um what would you call them urban legends from each state in the United States. And I'm going to go in alphabetical order. So, yeah, I'm going to do 10 in this episode. The first 10 of the alphabet. So, all right, you ready? Yep. Let's get into it. So first on the list is in Oxford, Alabama. It's called Hell's Gate Bridge. And the story goes that sometime during the 1950s, a young couple's car drove off the bridge into the water below. Supposedly, if you stop on the bridge and turn off your lights, one of the people that died, somebody from the couple, will enter your vehicle and leave a wet spot on your seat. Please don't do that to my lover. (laughs) Um, Hell's Gate Bridge earned its name because many people believe that when you stop on the bridge and glance over your shoulder, the road behind you resembles the fiery gates of hell. Several people have said that this is true, but I don't know. I feel like I need to go there now. I know. Um, due to safety concerns, local officials, uh, have been using cement blocks to block off Hell's Gate Bridge, so you don't drive across it and, like, drive off the bridge on accident. Uh, the haunted bridge still receives visitors on foot, but because the bridge is old and falling apart, walking across it isn't recommended. So just be careful, I guess. Um, in 2007, the Oxford Paranormal Society held an investigation and found no evidence of paranormal activity. Um, so, but, I mean... Locals have said that it's true, so, I mean, I guess you just have to experience it on your own. I don't know. Is it true? I don't know. I guess if you're from Oxford, Alabama, Um, let us know if it's uh, true. Listen, anybody that lives in any of these states should send us an email if they have experienced any of this. That would be cool. So, the email is tcstpod at gmail.com. Yes. So, if you have any stories or experiences, let us know. Maybe we'll talk about it on the podcast. Mm -hmm. So, next up is Juneau, Alaska. It's called the Kushtaka of the Alaskan Triangle. So, you know the story of the Bermuda Triangle, where, like, Mm -hmm. you know, you boats go missing, planes go missing, and you just don't know what happened. Yeah. 
Well, this is like that. Um, on average, five out of every 1,000 people go missing in Alaska. Which, that's a lot of people. Yeah, that is a lot of people. Um, even if, like, there's nothing supernatural going on, it's really easy to get lost in the wilderness. Oh, yeah. In Alaska. Alaska's, like, super remote, so. So. The Lingit, I don't know, I don't know if I'm saying that right. I think the T is silent. Lingit tribe. Lingit. Um, who live in Juneau, have their own explanation for the high number of missing people. And it's um, an evil spirit called the Kashtaka. They are shapeshifters, which are half man, half otter. I've never heard Interesting. Of that combination before. How big or small are they then? I don't know. If they're half man. But then they're half otter? So is yeah. it like a really big otter? Well, they're shapeshifters. So they shapeshift into an otter. Oh, I thought I thought they were like half man, half otter, like at the same time. No, that's why I was kind of confused. It's a it's a shapeshifter, so they like appear human, but then they shapeshift into an otter. I guess that's scary. Yeah, otters are really cute. They are, which makes it really really <laughs> difficult. Right. Um. Well, but, I guess that's easy to lure people then, huh? Right. They they lure women and children to the woods or down by the water to steal their spirit and either kill them or turn them into another kashtaka. Um, it's said that as you're walking through the village or hunting in the woods or fishing, um, a man or a group of men approach you. They look just like kinsmen and you don't have a clue that they're really the kashtaka. In some cases, these malevolent creatures appear when you're lost or injured and claim that they intend to rescue you. However, they lead you deeper into the wilderness and either tear you into pieces or turn you into a kashtaka, which prevents your soul from being able to reincarnate. Interesting. So, yeah. It's, can you just imagine, like, an otter, like, tearing you to pieces? Well, I assume they lure you being an otter, then they turn into a human and tear you into pieces. Oh, yeah, that's true. As an otter, I mean, they do have sharp nails, though. Mm-hmm. They're, they, I mean, they're cute, but they can be me. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of Alaskan mothers are fond of this legend and tell it to their ki- children to keep them from, like, wandering too far away from home. I guess telling, like, your kids about, like, the boogeyman, I guess. Mm-hmm. Or Krampus. Yeah. They're just like, if you wander too far away, the Kashtaka's gonna get you. Better stay close to home. Apparently, the Kashtaka are terrified of dogs. Um, and Alaska has a lot of, like, sled dogs that um, keep its villages safe from the Kashtakas. Um, it's also said that fire might be another effective way to keep the shape-shifting otters away. Hmm. So fire and dogs. Interesting. Protect these people from the Kashtaka. I love dogs. Me too. Next is in Arizona, in Luana's Canyon. It is the ghost of Slaughterhouse Canyon. Legend has it that during the 1800s, a family lived down in the bottom of the Slaughterhouse Canyon. Times were hard, and the father would regularly leave for weeks at a time in search of food and possibly even gold, really anything to keep the family fed and clothed. 
Uh, one day he left, and he never returned. Meanwhile, the wife and children were left alone in the canyon, and they slowly began to starve. As with any canyon, if you yell loud enough, the echo will eventually make its way right back to you. As the family began to wither away, their screams of starvation would circulate all around the canyon. The mother, who was unable to bear listening to her children's cries for any longer, put on her wedding dress, murdered her children, and then flew them into a nearby river. Sorry, threw them into a nearby river. The next day, she succumbed to starvation herself. Visitors to the Slaughterhouse Canyon have reported feeling the anguish that still permeates the air. And on evenings and nights, when the air is still and thick, it's reported that you can hear the screams of the kids and the mother as she made the tragic decision to end their suffering. Can you imagine just, like, being left in this canyon and not having any way to provide for yourself or your kids? No. Couldn't it's a point it. where you have to just end it all. Well, I mean, I can understand her angle there. Mm-hmm. Her kids were going to die of starvation and yeah. suffer. So. I wonder I wonder what that, like, if it's true. Yeah, me too, but, like, you can go they couldn't make it. their way out of the canyon. Mm-hmm. Even. But, like, the husband did it. Right, that's true. So why couldn't she back up her kids and try to... I would rather die trying to make my way out of the canyon with my children than mm-hmm. just kill them all. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's next. just me, though. Yeah. Sorry. Die trying. Rather yeah. die trying. The next one is Folk, Arkansas. I think I'm pronouncing that right. It is the Boggy Creek or Folk Creek Monster. Um, reports of the Boggy Creek Monster go all the way back to the 1970s. Uh, the, those early reports were all centered around the community of folk. People that felt the monster mostly followed Boggy Creek and made its home in the surrounding woods. The cryptid was blamed for the destruction of livestock in the area and responsible for scaring a lot of folks. So, like, a lot of people heard about this, and it really, really creeped them out. In the 1970s, the folk monster was reported to be 7 feet tall, around 300 pounds, and with a chest 3 feet wide. Jesus. That's really tall. That's really scary. Yeah. In the 1980s, the myth of the folk monster moved north and east of its origin and was reported to be much larger, at 10 feet tall and 800 pounds. That's like... I was going to say the size of a bear, but... That's bigger than a bear, ain't it? Are you sure? I think a bear is bigger than that. Bigger than 8 feet tall? Well, not the height, but the weight. Mm, yeah. I think I a bear know. is, like, heavy. You want to look it up? Yeah. What kind of bear? Black bear? Sure. Or, like, a grizzly bear? Is that the same thing? Adult male black bears range from about... 50 to 75 inches in length and weighs 60 to 300 kilograms or 130 and six to 660 pounds. So I guess that is bigger than a bear. I was thinking a bear was bigger than that. I think of a bear as just like a really, really big person. That's a good point. A really big furry person. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. I mean, when they stand up on their hind legs. They're pretty tall. Yeah. 
So this thing was 10 feet tall and 800 pounds. That is insane. Yeah. Bigfoot? Possibly, <laughs> maybe. A distant cousin of Bigfoot. Yeah. <laughs> what remains the same across all of the reports is that the monster is covered with long, dark hair and moves like an ape. So, Bigfoot? There you go. <laughs> it could be Bigfoot. Uh, people still claim to spot the Boggy Creek monster today, and he has been the subject of five feature-length films, including a movie that came out in 1972 called The Legend of Boggy Creek. We should watch that sometime. I thought about it, but I didn't get to it. Hmm? I, d- I didn't get to it. Oh. I was going to I thought it. you said you, like, weren't going to watch it. No. I was about to say. No, I definitely would. We should just have a movie night and yep. we can watch it. All right, the next one, I don't know how to pronounce this city. It's spelled O-J-A-I. O-J-I? 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 Could be an H. Oh, yeah, that's true. California. It's in California. It is the legend of the Charman. The Charman's origin story is pretty gruesome. A father and son were both caught in a house fire and horribly burnt in 1948. After the fire... The son became so mentally unstable that he killed his father. Yikes. When the police found the son, he was so unrecognizably burnt, they didn't realize he was alive. So he ran away before they were able to arrest him for the murder of his father. How the hell did he run away if he's that burnt? I don't know. Maybe he was just like, psycho. Like, your whole body hurts when you're that burnt. Also, it smells awful. Well, he was said he was mentally un- unstable. That's true. So he could have just been like, you know how like um, not just even not even like what's the word recognizing the pain or yeah processing the pain that's what i wanted to say or like your um what's it called (laughs) i wish everyone could see your hand movements right now (laughs) i'm trying to think of the word i'm having a brain fart anywho anyway um the story goes that ever since then the charman can be spotted wandering the woods surrounding the city occasionally approaching tents of innocent campers or pretending to be a hitchhiker and then attempting to attack them that's scary yeah i love camping so not me for this is one of them reasons you never know what's in them woods it could be a boggy creek monster it could be the charman you just never know Listen, camping is so fun. And not glamping, people. I'm talking about tent, air mattress. I can do glamping. Yeah, honestly, How are you going to blow up an air mattress in a tent in the middle of the woods? Do you not know, like, there's other ways to blow up an air mattress? And not with your lungs. (laughs) There's, like, a pump that comes with it, and you, like, collect the air, and then you roll it, and it fills up your air mattress. That's a lot of work. I'm not going to lie. It took me a while, <laughs> but I blew it I really it up. didn't know that. Also, it I... saves the earth. That's true. Just not saying. Not using electricity. Yeah. You just use natural oxygen. Yep. Natural <laughs> oxygen. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, next up is Thornton, Colorado. It's the legend of Riverdale Road. And I think I've heard of this one before. Hmm. I'm not sure. You might have. Uh, Thornton is well known as one of Denver's largest suburbs, but it's what you cannot see that makes the city downright frightening. Spanning most of Thornton is the seemingly innocent Riverdale Road, which passes through both busy city intersections and more rural areas. 
While Riverdale may seem like your typical city street, it is anything but, as the road, which is literally named the Gates of Hell. Another one? Yeah. It's a Another one. Common name. <laughs> uh, the Gates of Hell have many morbid legends surrounding its paved twists and turns. For starters, there's the tale of an insane man murdering his wife and children by setting their mansion on fire. Interesting. The alleged murders are what gave Riverdale Road its nickname, as the mansion sat behind a sturdy gate that you can still see today. Several instances of savage savage lynchings of slaves have occurred. And even the ghost of a Camaro driver and his car. A, a, a ghost of a car who coaxed living visitors into racing to their death. Oh, Camaros suck anyway, so. <laughs> I'm not a car person, so I have no idea. Unfortunately, the gruesomeness does not end there, as even locations as seemingly innocent as chicken coops have turned into supposed meeting places for cult members and witches. Ooh. So this whole road is just, like, full of it. It's full of... It's got that energy. All kinds of stuff. Yeah. Okay, also, sorry for the Camaro comment, but I'm just not a Camaro person. I'm sorry. Can you just imagine, like, driving down the road and seeing, like, an apparition of a person in a Camaro? I'd still try to race. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie. You'd be one of them people. I'm sure Austin would, too, in his charger. He'd be like, let's go. He'd be like, watch this. Come to the light. And he's like, all right. We're room. Three honks. Let's get it. <laughs> All right, next is in Connecticut. I didn't get an exact city for this, I don't think, but it's in Connecticut. And it is the story of Hannah Crana. Hmm. I like Um, how it rhymes. Yeah. So when you think about, like, witches, you think about, like, Salem, Massachusetts. Always wanted to go there. Yeah. Can you, I can't. Hashtag girls trip. Let's go. I'd be down. Let's go. It'd be so fun. Can you just, like, imagine the energy you'd feel? It'd be awesome, but yeah. also very sad at the same time yeah. because of all the people that were, well, women in general were murdered for yeah. being witches, you know? But I think that it would be cool to see and at the same time very sad. Yeah. But I've always wanted to go there. So, uh, in Connecticut, at least nine people were hanged for, quote, familiarity with the devil by 1963, almost 30 years before everything that happened in Salem. So, like, this was 1963? What'd I say? You said 1963. I meant 1663. (laughs) I can't read, apparently. No, that's okay. (laughs) But, yeah. But um, that was almost 30 years before everything that happened in Salem. So, you think of Salem being, like, the first place where... I keep hitting the table. Shame on you. The first place where witches had appeared, but really, apparently it wasn't. Um, The specter of witchcraft was very real in 1783 when Hannah Hovey, who would become known as Hannah Crana, the Wicked Witch of Monroe, was born. Hmm. So maybe Monroe's the city? Yeah, maybe. That seems like... Monroe, Connecticut? Yeah. Um, Very little is known about her early life Mm -hmm. and even much of her later years other than she lived in the Stepney area of Monroe. So maybe Monroe's like the city, and like Stepney might be like like a Indy, Indianapolis. You know how it oh, has like yeah. different like sub areas, mm-hmm. and like Nashville, Tennessee has different sub areas. Like yeah. maybe that's 
That's why it's Stephanie of yeah. Monroe. Um, she married Captain Joseph Hobie, and they lived on Cragley Hill, close to present-day Cutler's Farm Road. Okay. Nearby was a large rock with a cut that looked like a cloven footprint, um, which is a sign that some signed to some that Hannah was in league with Satan, I guess. Satan hysteria, even before the Satan hysteria, like 1980 or whatever mm-hmm. it was. What? Like, there was, like, a big hysteria where they thought, like, Metallica was, like, devil music and stuff, remember? No, I don't know. I don't know about that. Girl, you gotta do your research. <laughs> um, so when her husband died unexpectedly, what did I say? <laughs> What did I just say? Unexpectedly? Unexpectedly. (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I I can't talk today. When her husband died unexpectedly. I never can talk, so it's fine. (laughs) uh, Some say that Hannah had a hand in his death. The story goes that during his evening walk, Captain Hobie somehow became disoriented and fell off a cliff. It's always the husband or wife, you know? Always. Always. So maybe she pushed him off the cliff. I don't know. Depends on how mad she was. I mean, let me just see. <laughs> She's kind of crazy. Uh, not believing that the captain could have been the victim of such an odd accident, the neighbors whispered that he had been bewitched by Hannah. Uh, after being widowed, she picked up the nickname Hannah Crana. Aside from rhyming, Crana is Scottish for rocky or lofty place. Maybe a nod to the Satan stamped rock. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, Hannah never remarried. Dressing in widow's black with a long skirt that flapped in the breeze. It's easy to see how an eccentric woman in dark clothes who resided alone in the forest could easily be transformed into a witch. So she just, she just like looked like a witch. So they are like. I must look like a witch then. I wear a lot of black. Yeah. I mean. It's more acceptable nowadays, I think. True. I mean, when I do Austin and I's laundry, or when he does our laundry, we take turns. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Anyways, um, like, most of the clothes are black or gray. And then, like, we have a small load of colors. It's like, all right. Yes. <laughs> um, it didn't help that she was not above using her bad reputation to imitate others. Supposedly, her house was guarded by an army of snakes. The birds on her property were invulnerable to hunters, and her witch is familiar, which is like a supernatural creature assistant yeah. thing, uh, was a rooster named Old Boreas that only crowed at midnight. Hmm. I never heard of a rooster being a witch's familiar. I didn't even know what a witch's familiar was. Oh, really? Yeah. It's like her sidekick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, many tales sprung up about Hannah's powers most likely exaggerations of mundane events. So they just, like, chalked it all up, made it seem, like, more than what it was, really. Too Uh, much clout. Right. One featured a trout-filled stream that ran through her property that she forbade anyone to fish in. When uh, one man landed a forbidden prize in said stream. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Hannah appeared and cried. She said, curses upon you and your fishing. Now, in real life, the cranky old lady probably chased the trespasser away, but in the lore of Hannah Crana, 
After incurring the witch's wrath, the angler never caught another fish. What? She said not to do it, so... Another anecdote involves two men who stopped their cart in front of her home. Seeing Hannah, they jokingly asked for a magical display. Before you pass yonder tree, your wish shall be granted, she told them. The men laughed, but when they went to leave, their oxen would not move and the wheels came off their wagon. (laughs) That'd be funny. It appears as though a few locals tried to grow tired of her antics and formally accused her of witchcraft. She was arraigned on charges of consorting with the devil, although the case never went to trial. They did trials back then? I guess. Way, way, way I thought they were just like... You're a witch, now you get hanged. I never thought there was an actual trial. I feel like the trial was just, like, presenting, quote-unquote, evidence that they were a witch. And then they're like, yeah. Everyone else is like, obviously, you're guilty. Right. I don't feel like there was an actual... No, there was no, like, Like, not today, obviously. Yeah. Uh, Hannah lived quietly until late 1859, when Old Boreas died and the legend makers went into overdrive. Supposedly, after a heavy snow, a neighbor found the nearly 80-year-old woman looking haggard. The spirits have called, and it won't be but a short time before I will be in the great beyond, she said according to popular accounts. I have a wish to make that must be carried out. I am not to be buried until after sundown, and there must be ample bearers to carry my coffin from the house to the grave. Obey my wishes if you would avoid trouble and vexation. And she died the next day. With the snow deep, it was too difficult to honor Hannah's dying wishes. Her coffin was loaded on a sleigh, and it started off for the graveyard, but after a short distance, it fell off. Oh, God. Could you imagine being those people? (laughs) They're like, first of all, they're not following her dying wishes, but then her casket falls off the sleigh. And they already think she's a witch. Yeah, so like, you really just fucked up. Yeah. So the neighbors were spooked, and they put it back on the sled, and a few brave souls sat on top of it. They set out again, but soon the sleigh began to inexplicably shake, throwing everyone that was sitting on top off. She's like, all right. She said, I said, carry it. Well, she Not said, put it on this wagon. She said, you knock me off, I got you. I'll knock you right back off, too. <laughs> Rather than incur the full wrath of the witch, the coffin was carried to the cemetery. The sun had already set, so it was quickly buried. The neighbors then returned to Hannah's house, only to find it engulfed in flames. Interesting. Yeah. It's told that on certain misty nights, the specter of an old crone will suddenly appear in the middle of Spring Hill Road, which will cause a driver to lose control of his car and his life as he crashes into the gravestone of Hannah Crana. Must be a really hard gravestone. Yeah. I thought that one was pretty interesting. Yeah, it was. I really enjoyed that story. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next where is the what? I just... Combine, like, four words together. What did you just say? I said next where. (laughs) I didn't even understand. I'm like, I was trying to say the next one and also Delaware at the same time. The next where. Next where. Anyway, the next story is from Delaware. It's the ghost of Mr. Chew. (laughs) 
Um, his name was Samuel Chu. He was a normal guy with a normal job, but with a weird name. Chu is a very weird name. Yeah. I mean, it's his last name, though. Mm-hmm. He was the chief of justice in Delaware in the 1700s. He was torment- tormented daily for his name. As he walked, some would mimic a sneeze or pretend to chew on something. Oh, that's such a good joke. <laughs> Uh, as soon as he died, he started haunting the place. I would do. Farmer David Hendricks was the first to see the apparition of Mr. Chu. He alerted his wife and his children. Eventually, the news spread all around Dover, and more sightings of Mr. Chu were reported. He was dressed in a judge's robe and white powdered wig. It was reported that the ghost would pull on a male's tail coats and send shivers up women's spines. He was relentless in his hauntings and targeted anyone who dared come near him. All for making fun of his name. I'd do it too. That's pretty petty though. I'm going to haunt you for the rest of your life because you sneezed behind me. Or pretended to chew. Or pretended to chew on something. I'd probably be that petty in the afterlife. I'm not going to lie. No. I I would like to move on. I don't want to be stuck. Uh, Out of fright. People closed up shops and stayed indoors. Children were not allowed to play outside anymore. No one socialized after dark. Things got so bad for the people of Dover that a town meeting was held on how to deal with the ghost. They decided that the way to get rid of Mr. Chu was to hold a funeral. The people of Dover held a funeral for a ghost. Uh, The citizens of Dover buried an empty casket under the tree where he was sighted the most. Occasionally, Mr. Chu haunts any person who makes fun of his name, but other than that, the funeral worked in suppressing the ghost. I could see that. I kind of gave him some sort of peace. Yeah, he was like, okay, I guess I'll leave you guys alone. But every now and then he comes out, he's like, I'm still here. Right. Well, don't make fun of his name. I can hear you talking about me. (laughs) Um, The next one is from Lake Wales, Florida. It's the gravity-defying spook hill. Oh, this is the one that I've heard of. Oh, okay. Not the other one that I said. I've heard of this one. But I didn't know it was in Florida. The phenomenon that happens at Spook Hill is real. It's, like, really real. Hmm. The cars that are parked in neutral will appear to roll uphill. Where's Zach Bagans? I need him to investigate this. No, it's real. It's really real. Listen. Okay. Legends say the hill is either the site of a Native American burial ground or an epic battle of a Native American chief against a crocodile. That's a battle. But the truth is it's actually just an illusion created by the hill surroundings. Oh, okay. While cars appear to be rolling uphill, they are still just rolling downhill. There's a sign, like, at the, where you park your, or put your car on Mm -hmm. on the hill, and it says... Ages ago, an Indian town on Lake Wales was plagued with raids by a huge gator. The town's great warrior chief and the gator were were killed in a final battle that created the huge swampy depression nearby. The chief was buried on its north side. Later, pioneer haulers coming from the old army trail atop the ridge above found their horses laboring there at the foot of the ridge and called it a spook hill. Is it the gator seeking revenge or the chief protecting his land? So they're saying that the reason your car supposedly rolls uphill is one or the other. It's either the chief or the gator. 
Gotcha. But really, it's just a like a optical illusion. I'd like to go there and see though. Yeah, that would be dope. I don't know why I was imagining this, but I was imagining like the TikTok crocodile from uh, Captain Hook. The one that always tries to get him. Oh, yeah. I don't know why I was imagining that, but like. I can see that. Could you imagine just chilling in your car and hearing the tick, 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 and then it's like <laughs> the crocodile comes after you? Well, this is a gator, though. This Yeah. But yeah. Almost the same they're, thing. They're different things. I but, don't yeah. know the difference. I think it's where they live. Is it where they live or like their size? I don't know. Hmm. Interesting. Don't know. They're both reptiles. That's all I know. So the last one is in Georgia. It is the ghost town of Lake Lanier. 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 I've heard Uh about this before. Lanier. So at the bottom of Lake Lanier lies an almost fully intact town. Oh, multiple towns, ferries, and a racetrack, and multiple cemeteries. The Georgia government, in its determination to create Lake Lanier, bought up entire towns in order to clear the space for the lake after they received congressional approval in 1946. However, they just decided to let the water cover up the towns rather than demolishing them. Now... Lake Lanier has a decidedly eerie feel about it. There have been an unusual number of freak accidents and deaths on the lake. In 2011, there were 17 deaths alone. Many of the people who drowned have been recovered. People have reported feeling arms and legs in the water, but have not been able to find them right after, leading people to believe that spirits still roam the lake. I could see that. That would be so creepy. To just be out in the water and, f- like, feel something on your... Well, I mean... I, I felt stuff in, like, on my leg in the lake anyways. That's But true. it's probably, like, fish or something. Yeah. Like, not to, like, write this off or anything, because, I mean... I mean, it could be fish or, like, you know, yeah. seaweed or something. Seaweed in a lake? In a, yeah. There's seaweed in lakes, aren't there? I think there's, like, plants. I don't think it's seaweed. Seaweed's in the sea. Mm. Right? Well, <laughs> you know what I mean. Plants yeah underwater plants yeah but like if they're in the lake i i mean i could see it i i felt stuff in the lake before yeah like so you fall off the tube and you feel something on your leg because you can't see and it creeps me out i'm not gonna lie and it probably i mean in this situation probably doesn't help that it's above uh old cities yeah and just think like if there are people there that were haunting places Mm -hmm. there and then they put water over it and those people are shitty. Yeah. Not happy. So you've heard of that one before? Yeah, I have. Uh, I listened to a podcast about it. Uh, Morbid did a podcast on it. Oh, did they? Yeah. So I'll have to listen to it. I think it was around maybe Labor Day weekend because, you know, that's when people go boating and stuff. And mm-hmm. I think that's when they covered it. But yeah, they did an episode on it. I'll have to listen to it. Yeah, it's actually really good. Well, that was the last one. That was good. For this week. But over the over the next few weeks, I'm going to go through the rest of the 50 states. So All right. be on the lookout. If I haven't got to your state yet, I'm going to get there. All right. That was actually pretty good. I enjoyed that. Good. I'm glad. I thought it was pretty interesting. It was. All right. Well, that's it for my episode for this week. Be on the lookout for my true crime episode this week. It'll be coming soon. It'll be a short one. So... 
All right, we'll see you guys in the next one. See ya. Bye.